what pops up a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips of popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. And today Carl Rodriguez is back joining me and he's going to talk about MERP setting books. He's going to plug Crush the Con, which is a great cause. And we do delve into a couple other topics. That interview pretty much is the whole show. If you have any questions or comments for me, you can leave me a message on Anchor, email me at nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. Or if you have comments for Carl, you can find him as well as me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. Without further ado, I'm going to launch into the interview. This is kind of a long-winded response because I talked to Jason earlier and I told him it would probably leave like eight minutes. I don't know, maybe not that long. You know, and it, on Anchor, you can, only live one, you can only leave one minute responses at a time. So I said, I have these cool Merc products that I just wanted to talk about inspired by the awesome Rollmaster podcast that you did with those. Too bad, you see, if you would have had seven or nine would have been ideal, actually. But if you would have had hey, seven, you could... seven. You know, seven for the Dwarven Kings in their Halls of Stone. And right. nine, for mor- nine for mortal men doomed to die. Right. We, well, I could have broke it up, right? I had three one podcast, seven on the next one, and nine on the next oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. it would have been a three-hour podcast. That, that probably yeah, I know. Well, it was like two long. hours, right? Yeah. Well, so anyway, was, I was inspired, yeah. so I dug out my, my Merp stuff. And it's pretty uh, – looking at these books, I mean, these are like 80s, early 90s publications, right? And 90 is what this one here. These are, but really quick, Carl, before we dig into those, since we are talking and we're going to do a little more chatty as opposed to my asking a question saying, Carl, and you talking, because I I hated that format. What what are you drinking tonight, Carl? Uh, Well, so I was drinking. I've only had one beer. Well, so my wife, my wife, uh, there's this local brewery called Long Tab Brewing. It's basically, uh, you would love it when you come visit San Antonio, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe for next year's, I don't know whatever con pack south i don't know or crush the con next year when we can open things up anyway um called long tab brewing they're all uh ex- they're all vets who run the brewery and are the head brewer and she bought she got a uh, a couple of their new beers one is called jbo mexican lager which is dedicated to uh, a green beret friend of theirs who passed away and it's uh the money the proceeds from that are going to go to um Green Beret, the survivors of Green Berets and other special forces families. San Antonio is a big military town, has yep. a lot of liaison for that. Uh, Air Force and Army and Navy presence, very strong. So that means also Marine presence, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, so, so it's, uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, San Antonio is going to do that, and this brewery is going to do it. And their other uh, beer that I had was a, uh, was a Cezanne style called Augustus. And they also, uh, it seems like that's referring to like a unit. Because um, it, so it showed like a group in like a, like a C-130 all ready to, to jump out of an airplane. Right, right. Although the Augustus is also a reference to our Call of Cthulhu Invictus game because uh, that's the emperor, that's the current emperor uh, in the game 
time frame that we're uh, playing. Excellent. That's what I'm drinking. Great. So here's from a local brewery. Right. Excellent. Well, anybody in that area, you know, support that brewery. That's a great cause. I, I'm slumming it tonight. I'm drinking cheap Irish whiskey. It's Hellcat Maggie Irish whiskey. It was on sale at the local Virginia ABC store for 21 bucks a bo for a fifth mixed with RC. So well, I'm, <laughs> like I'm saying, I'm Irish whiskey is good, but the RC is kind of a weird one to me. Yeah. Well, you know, what can I say? But we're not here to talk about sometimes drinks. you want yeah, sometimes you want like a crown and coke thing. That's right. Yeah. So there you go. We're here to talk about setting books. Right. So to tell us about Merp setting books, Carl. Why are they great? They're great because they they evoke the Tolkien verse, uh, Middle Earth in all its glory. They have fantastic art on the covers. The cartography is excellent. And what I like, and I like, and I've noticed this in. All these older products from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, they were so dense, right? They're very thin, but the, they use like a very small font, and they pack a lot of material in, you know, what is this? I'm looking at one book here. In 80 pages, they pack like so much material. Um, so that's why they're, they're really amazing books. So if you can ever find them. Like if you go on eBay or Amazon, they're like hundreds of dollars to miss but yeah. um, to try to find these old first edition, first edition revised, early second edition Merps books. But sometimes you get lucky. Like for some, a couple of these, I was lucky. I saw a few at a half price books and they didn't know what they had. And I got them for like five and six bucks. Wow. Yeah, that's a great yeah. find. I, 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 of course, I, I played this game when I was a kid. I, you yeah. know, got, did you collect, did you keep everything you collected? No, I've, I've got bits and pieces, but I don't yeah. have everything, which it's a real shame. That's, yeah. I, I, it's a world master. I mean, I always heard about it. And one of my friends who I play with still today, such a huge fan of it. And we, I played it. So you, that, that one adventure that is in the, in the role master book, Mm -hmm. And everyone plays. Uh, I played that adventure because this, the guy ran it, but we never really, it really never took off. I guess we all fell into the trap. It's too complex when really comparatively it's, it's not so complex as some of your panelists, you know, talked about. It's not more complex than Swords and Scoundrels or Riddle of Steel or Harnmaster. No, not at all. Multiple it, roles to get to the end result, right? Right. Good, good point. So, so, Rollmaster and, and all these products are front loaded. There's a lot of complexity in making a character. No question about it. You're going to oh, spend, right. like like we talked about, you know, you'll spend a good two hours making your first character. I mean, there, there's a lot to it. But what you're going to do that in Sword and Scoundrel too. But yeah. but once your first characters, once your characters made, Rollmaster is pretty simple. It's a simple T percentile system, mm -hmm. and there are a couple roles. But you're not uh, like you brought up Sword and Scoundrel on the Riddle Steel the products. In those, you're you're having to worry about combat maneuvers. You're having to worry about what body part are you aiming at, things like that. And mm -hmm. you don't do that, Rollmaster. So, which kind of like Harn, you don't do that in Harn either. So, yeah, it's, just, it's probably around Harn. One, initially, it's heavier because you're making the character, but after the character's made, it's not so bad, especially if you're organized and have the tables where you can get them, you know, quickly. So you're not shuffling through the book looking for tables. Well, I think Harnmaster, I don't think you've gone through character creation in there. I haven't. If you do it all randomly, which you can do, it's pretty fast. But 
there is, you know, you have the option to not do it randomly. There's a lot of things to, to a lot of considerations, right? Um, like which, what, how, you know, what, what you want to emphasize or what points you want to put where, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to emphasize, if you want to put all your points into finding your career as opposed to, or your class or, so it's actually, yeah, so we, you know, it can, it can be complex unless you do the whole, the old random thing. But, but, that's right, the same but it's not, it's not like role master where there's, weird math involved like figuring out your hit point you know your hit points and your your things in role masters is no, just the skills involved. it's an average of yeah. three different attributes and they have like mm -hmm. 15 attributes in harm master right so right that's the hardest part but i think role master was similar in that i thought i saw that it was yeah right? yeah your your attributes yeah you have sub attributes off the mm -hmm. main attributes things like that yeah. yeah i know it's not like it's not like for these osr games or osr clones where you can find you know some website and push a button all right you got your halfling thief right you know he's he's bald and has crooked teeth and <laughs> you're good to go yep it's interesting no but, but these setting so these setting books are i have to admit that they are what shaped my my vision of middle earth because i had read the hobbit then got into i bought merp and slowly added these things before probably around the time I was reading Lord of the Ring. So go ahead and launch into your experience with these books there, Carl. Right. So, so the book, books I have out here are – so I agree. So what's interesting is right? we read the books, and there's, there's so many proper nouns in that, but it looks like the people who designed these setting books were Merps. They read the Silmarillion multiple times. They went into the Unfinished Tales and all the, all the, all the notes and addenda – and found like little details and just expanded upon every single detail. So for example, and so looking at Greater Harad, right? So it's a, uh, I think is this was it Greater Harad. So that's like one of these kingdoms where you, you know, you, at the end of Lord of the Rings, they have all these armies of evil men. And you're like, well, where do these guys come from? Uh -huh. But so like this, these books have taken like those little details and expanded upon them and given you like a whole setting book for them, right? It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, you know? So Greater Harad, which the back it's like has like a full color map of the, the Great Harad Wath Desert, you know, full color city maps, you know, in-depth information. Even more impressive is like Shadow of the South, which is close to Harad. And this actually has like the stats for one of the Nazgul, the Storm King, and all his plots and machinations and his role to try to bring all those men into shadow. So right, they take like a little detail of one of the Nazgul. This guy's called the Storm King. He used to be the ruler of blah blah blah, and so we're going to put him into the greater wide world, you know, in the in the various ages. It's pretty amazing. So, and then if you ever wanted a map of like Rohan, I have Riders of Rohan, is another one, and it has like you know a, a map of Edoras and the history of everything. But I think I think to me like the crowning jewel of the of the books that I have is Moria, and I've actually ran this. I was looking, I was running through it, so I, I must have run it as as a MERPS, and I've also run it like as a as a in a D and D. It, it both ended poorly for the characters. <laughs> they yeah. wanted to they wanted to do. There's like an adventure in here that you can preempt the Fellowship of the Ring before they get there, looking for Balin, uh -huh. um, uh, and uh, or Balin, how we pronounce it. And yeah, you know, you know what happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Moria is one I had back in the day. I don't think I still have it, but I had. This it. is a crazy book. I mean, it has. Like in the front panel, it has like a side view of the mountain of Silverteen, you know, 
uh, and, and, and you can see the scale of where the city is in the seven miles of the, of the mountain, how high the peak is, how the peak relates to the other three peaks in the area. On the back part, it has the west gate and the east gate on the back panel. And then throughout, it has, it, seriously, it has an overall layout map of all seven levels of the city and all six deeps below. Mm -hmm. And it has like, they don't have like every single room, but they have like an overall schematic, very much like, say if you remember looking in, in like um, uh, D1, 2, and 3, where they have like a map of the, the greater underground. But, the, but then they have like all these little rooms and they have the details of the rooms as well right. in this book. So you could, you could run Moria for, for, forever and you could run it in different ages because they give you the whole history of dwarves in, in Moria. You know, the whole history of the Khazad in that, it, you know, through the first, the first, one of the adventures in here is go meet Durin, right? Go meet Durin the Deathless in the first age. So that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And then, of course, they have various things that happen during the second and then, and then the third age that you can, you can play like the Fellowship of the Ring. Like I said, you could preempt the Fellowship of the Ring or go there after, you know, after Gandalf and the Balrog have their tussle. But that, I mean, this book is amazing. And I, like I said, I've used it not just for Murps, but for um, um, for other games, just to throw, throw, because the cartography is so phenomenal that you just throw the characters. And again, it's like the research that these people have done and been able to expand upon um, the Middle Earth uh, lore is, is pretty fascinating to me. Right. And and like you mentioned, all these books, they're, they're not just third age books, not just during the Lord of the Rings. Oh, right. They, right. they cover... You know, all the, I mean, it depends on the book, but for the most part, they cover the entire, you, you know, cycle. So you can play, you can play your adventures in the different ones. I know the, the yeah. one that co covered Numenor, you know, had, you know, you could do the second age and do all that thing. And the, the, the other thing that's interesting in there, or a couple other points real quick, but you, you mentioned like they set out the non-school. They, they they weren't afraid to stat out the the big no. characters. No, the Balrog statted out here in the yeah. Moria book. So is Durin the first and Durin the second. Yep. And and Balin and Thor and the third also, you know. Yeah, so they, they weren't afraid to do any of that, which is great. The so the other the only other books that really remind me of these, and they're not the same, but where the property, like obviously Tolkien, oh, there's details in these books that's not in Tolkien, right? There there are things in here they let them expand on. So which reminds me of another product, which is West End Game Star Wars products. Oh, right. Where they let them create the expanded universe and, and do a lot with the expanded universe for the Star Wars. And and so the, both those products kind of were, were really influential in that way, where the RPGs actually influenced later things in those universes, which is kind of interesting. Because I can't imagine anybody that, that deals with, you know, with anything Middle Earth related that saw those old Iron Crown books that weren't influenced by them. Right. Yeah, something I'm trying to think. I guess it's weird. Like the book, the, the weird, the layout is weird in a way. They have like one page of contents, right? And then um, there's no like, maybe it's at the back. Like there's no like who wrote this book? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, so I was looking because another thing I do like about these books is like the, uh, the black and white line art that's in there. So I was trying to look like who is the artist for these? It's pretty weird. Maybe on the maybe on the back cover, that is curious. But really, there's like no author 
or art artist credit. Well, the artist put their little you know artist mark, but I don't know. Yeah, you don't know who who is who. I don't know who's who. Yeah. Right. So. That is bizarre. Yeah, I, mind you, they they didn't Maybe, do I as mean, much in the '80s as they do that today, as far as crediting people. Oh, there it is. Ah, oh, found it. Credits. It's at the back, page seventy. I just want to shout out to the artist, you know. So the author designer for the Moria book is Peter Fenlon. Uh, the illustrations are by Richard Britton, Terry Amthor, Jessica Nay, and uh, Pete Fenlon. So who also did the cartography. So it's pretty okay. That's cool. So it's interesting. It's like at the near in the back where all the stats for the monsters are. It's pretty cool. Well, good. That's a that's good. Uh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I'm sure it's in there, but you know, it's not like right. But you're right. It's amazing that they they let. Uh, oh, you know what? Some weird thing I found. So so when I was looking for my somehow I got rid of the Merp second or the 19. Was it the 1997 book, the Murps? But I, but somehow I, ha I still have the map. <laughs> so I lost the book somehow, or got stolen. Um, you know, you know how it goes. You move around, go oh, back yeah. and forth to college. It, it, it's with a different roommates. Yeah, it's a shame. There, there's not a. Um, oh yeah, I think we all, or most of us, have RPGs that we used to own that we wish we still did, and, but. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, luckily, you know, even though they don't have the license, Iron Crown's still around and Rollmaster's still around, so that's good. It's supported by Fantasy Grounds, which yeah, is interesting. You, so, you know, which does speed it up. It, you know, if you're gonna play on a VT two, a virtual tabletop, you know, of course, it does everyone speed now that on up. the on the various discords that we're on are like, Jason, when are you gonna run Rollmaster? Jason, when are you gonna run Merps? Well, well one of these days we'll do it. Yeah. We've got to get a couple other things. We need to get recon done first. Yes. We we just need to get everybody I know. together. Yeah. But that that ought to be interesting. Uh, now that's a pre-written adventure, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I, uh, it should I'm, go fast, right? I don't know. Yeah. What well, what? Well, yeah. We'll we'll see what you guys think of that adventure. But the recon actually is a super light game, so that should be pretty fun. Okay. It, it's it's pretty easy to, you know. I I mean it's got. You can pick like what you do hand to hand combat and whatnot, but it's it's not a, a rules heavy game by any means. It's is, is it also percentile dice? Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, but yeah, it's not the percent... it's not the palladium system. It's it's a separate system. It's very interesting. There seems to be like a way back when these games were first designed, right? It was um, it was you got you use all these weird polyhedrals mm -hmm. with the D twenty. Well, you know, D twenty system. Although I would say that basic D and D and A D and D are not really a D twenty system. Because, no. Right. Because there's there's like little mini systems tacked on everywhere. For example, the thief skills, right? Right. Yeah. Well, really, the only time you used D twenty was to to, to hit. hit and saving throws, and that was right. it. Yeah. Yeah. And damages with all these weird dice and. Initiative of the D6, right. come to D10 and AD&D, and then uh, percentile dice for. Well, the GM used percentile dice a lot, mm -hmm. treasures and stuff. But the B, oh yeah, the definitely. Skills yeah. The, instead of having everything like a uniform, and I guess I guess the dice pool didn't come out until um, uh, what uh, vampire well, and stuff. 
No, I mean, yeah, I guess. It depends how you can define okay. those, which, those pools. Which came first, Shadowrun or Vampire? Uh, I would have to Google that, but 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 I would say the D six falls under the dice pool system because you you're rolling, you you know multiple D six at once. So oh, so that would like, take so you like, back like, to like Star like Wars that, or, or yeah, really goes yeah, but it goes back to Ghostbusters and yeah. Ghostbusters. And might Traveler, be the first. Traveler does like the two D six target number, so like right. a bell, more of a bell curve, like two to twelve is your target number. Yeah, and there are some other some other games in there that threw, had like a three D six. I guess that's technically a dice pool. Of 2D6. I yeah, I, I don't know. I, but, but you're not adding in. I think for dice pool, you need to have a variable amount of dice depending how skilled you are, right. you, you know, effectively. Yeah, yeah. like Shadowrun. Right. Dice. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like a, Well, so tunnel, So at that point, well, Tunnels and Trolls, maybe oh. not. But Tunnels and Trolls, maybe. You, you're all a ton of dice for Tunnels and Trolls. But, but I think West End Games really kind of yeah, pioneered that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we're getting off topic here. So that's okay. You can you can edit all that out, and that'll be the origin the origin of different dice systems for role playing games. There we go. Because the percentile yep. the percentile dice are like Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. RuneQuest, right? Uh, Rollmaster. Yeah. So. Now we're gonna leave this in, but we're Palladium. we're gonna we're we're gonna go and cut this off. I I think, and we'll pick this up on another episode. Yeah. We we can talk about kind of the history of maybe not the history of role playing games. That's a big topic, but. We'll, we'll talk about something. Different how, systems. How dice, use of dice diverged. I don't know. There we go. That'd be an interesting topic. But cool. I, I thank you for joining me and talking about these yeah. setting books and, and how great they are. I, I don't you know how much Moria, we... You can find Moria somewhere. I, mean, I don't even know if these, like, 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 oh, I guess one of your panelists said that it's hard to find PDFs. Or well, the, the, accessible the... PDF, right? Yeah, because the problem is no legal PDFs are out there. You, you can find PDFs if you're willing to look for, you know, gray market PDFs, but they were never released as a PDF. And because of that, there's no accessible as far as like vision impaired, you, you know, PDFs out there. That's, That's the emergency. issue. But for Rollmaster, there are. Yes, for Rollmaster, there are. You can go to I, you can go drive through RPG and buy new Rollmaster. Yeah. Just I see no longer has the license for Middle Earth. They cannot. Right. right. Yeah, it, it's gone through a number of hands, and it's now with the people that make. Um, and that's another. That's another podcast. Yeah, it's a whole another podcast. Middle Earth, Middle Earth licensing. Yeah, yeah, and, and the money behind it, right? Yeah, you got to do some more research for that. Right. But <clears throat> any, anyhow, I'm gonna hop. Oh, but Carl, before before I let you go, I, I think there's something else you want to talk oh, about. Oh, right, right. So, um, I will. So uh, my wife and I run a 5013C called the Crush Foundation. And the purpose of the Crush Foundation is to raise money for patients who they and their families are going through a terminal deadly disease, such as cancer, such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, uh, et cetera. Even we've added this year, probably COVID to that. And we would also add some mental illness uh, like, like depression, which, you know, the the end is very difficult and it's difficult for the families uh, and people going through that. So uh, we are putting on, we do other charities in, in South Texas, but we are putting on a charity uh, because of the COVID situation. We have, we had a live uh, con, uh, gaming convention that was going to go on, but now it's going to be a virtual con, which is great because we can expand it to like internationally. I'm hoping I have a lot of friends who game uh, 
across across the Atlantic Ocean, across the Pacific Ocean, you know, down in South America. And this is going on September 11th to the 13th. And uh, I am looking for GMs among your uh, huge anchor following. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have some people that want to run some games. We can run them at various times, like four-hour blocks, like a lot of these virtual cons have happened. And there, we would ask for donations to support uh, the causes. And we've, we've given out a good amount of money to both um, uh, the, rehabil the uh, uh, Reuse Rehabilitation Center. We've been able to help pay for people who their loved ones have passed away and they cannot afford the funeral. Um, so we're, we're trying to do some good things in South Texas and we're trying to expand to Texas and beyond. Uh, Excellent. Uh, pretty neat. No, that's a great cause. I'm happy to support that. I, I I probably won't be able to participate due to my work schedule, but but I'll definitely put some money towards the that that's a great cause. I, as you know, we've had you know Alzheimer's affect our family. We've had you, you know Alzheimer's. Actually, my brother-in-law had early onset Alzheimer's, and you know he's passed oh, wow. now. But and um and and then my stepfather who passed recently was you know in stages of dementia, and mm -hmm. you know he ended up having a couple heart attacks and going so. Yeah, I definitely fully support all that, and yeah, well, I'm happy to help get the word out, and we will have the links in the show notes, folks. So okay. look in the show notes, and I'll have links to all that. So Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Carl, for joining me. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Joked about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the gold. There is a dustman in your moil's body zipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away�����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������